Please remain standing as we come to today's scripture passage, preaching passage for today. We're starting a new series in the book of Jude. So if you are new to the Bible, just turn to the very end of the Bible, get to Revelation, and go back one page, and uh, Jude is right there. It's a, it's a quick book, but a powerful book. We're going to be reading verses 1 to 16 today. Here is hear, hear the word of the Lord. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints." For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah in the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire." Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walk in the way of Cain and abandon themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They're loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, let me begin by uh, thanking all of you who have expressed care and concern for me and my family over the last couple of weeks. As some of you know, I've traveled internationally to be with my mother, who's um, suffering from uh, terminal leukemia, 
and uh, we'll keep you informed about uh, the latest news. We're going to send up a, uh, send out an e-prayer news tomorrow that will give you some updates. But I did want to say thank you um, from uh, on behalf of my mother, who was very obviously glad that I could be with her, and um, thank you also just personally to sense and feel the care of the congregation that you're called to care for is a special thing, and I'm very, very grateful. Well, as we come now to the book of Jude, I uh, feel very much like, uh, like Jude. He starts here by saying, um, I wanted, I was very eager, he says, to write to you about our common salvation. And that's, that's very much my heart. I'm very eager. I'd like to speak about um, positive things, about the gospel and the Bible and Jesus and what we share in common as, as followers of, of Jesus. And as we come to this book of Jude, which is, of course, about false teaching and calling out false teachers and has um, what is sometimes in church circles called a polemical tone to it, that is, it's really calling out those who are teaching error. As we come to that, it's important that we all approach it like Jude approached it. That is, our desire is to be not to be polemical, not to have to call out false teaching. No, he's very eager to write about our common salvation, and that should be our disposition. That should be our approach, the way we feel too. There are certain teachers in, in the church, and there always have been preachers like this, who seem to delight in calling out heresy. It, it, when you listen to their preaching, you're almost thinking, what's the heresy du jour today? But we shouldn't be like that. Well, we should be very eager to speak about our common salvation. And similarly, in church circles, I'm afraid, um, there have always been individuals who seem to delight in pointing out the faults of everyone else and just spotting where someone is just a little bit off. Fruit inspectors. Seeing where someone is wrong. Judgmentalism. But, but we're not to be like that. Our disposition, our approach is to be that of Jude, which is to be very eager to um, speak and write about our common salvation, what we have in common as Christians. But uh, by the same token, similarly, uh, I, I sense, I feel that there is no doubt, especially at this beginning of 2021, that we need to do what Jude here is calling us to do, which is to contend for the faith there is no doubt that in the Western church, and I think in particular in the church in America, that there is prevalent false teaching, especially these days. And while it is not our disposition to delight in doing that, and in fact, I think if there was a criticism that, that could come my way, it's for being too kind from the pulpit. It's not my delight to call out false teaching. I don't enjoy it. But there's no doubt that it is a necessary duty sometimes, and as we come to the book of Jude, it's very necessary right now to contend for the faith. That contend has um, a sense of fight for it, in it. But as soon as we say that, we need to be careful. Jude says, contend for the faith 
He does not say contend for the culture. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against the powers and principalities of this dark world. We are in a spiritual war, not a political war. We must contend for the faith once we're all delivered to the saints. Well, the book of Jude is um, uh, basically very simply structured. The first half that we're looking at this morning is identifying what the problem is. And many of us have that concern. What on earth is going on? What's the problem? What's happening? And Jude will explain it uh, for us. And then the second half that we'll look at next week or, or more next week is what's the solution? And so this week we're looking at what's the problem, the first 16 verses. Now there's a lot of details here. We're not going to get into all those details. If you want to pursue all the different images and metaphors and all this, uh, I encourage you to look in the commentaries. There are lots of good commentaries these days. It's obviously the, the Preach the Word series, um, but if you don't want to spend money on a commentary set, um, you can just go online and Google Matthew Henry online, and it's very good. Um, commentary from many years ago that will explain a lot of these details. We won't get into all of them, though we'll explain some of them. What we're going to do uh, for the sake of time is identify what Jude is doing here, which is that there is a pattern of false teaching. There's a standard way that false teaching develops. And rather than call out every false teacher, for we'd be here forever if we were doing that, and Jude doesn't do that, he identifies the pattern and how one thing leads to another, like a, a snowball cascading down and down and down. And there's this standard pattern. And it begins, it always begins like this. It begins with uh, a denial of the authority of Jesus. Verse 4, they are those who deny our only master and Lord. Note that word only. There is no other Lord. They deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And this, he makes clear, is an authority issue. So verse 6, he talks about these angels. um, And uh, as I say, you can look in the commentaries about that. I'll explain that one, though, in a little bit. These angels who did not stay within their own position of authority. That is, they did not accept the hierarchy of authority. Those who were over them, they rejected that. And uh, again, he makes it clear this is a rejection of authority. Verse 8, in like manner, these people, that is the false teachers, reject authority. So false teaching always begins with a denial of and a rejection of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, 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 but it's subtle. If, if someone came into our church this morning and said, I deny that Jesus is Lord we would know that was a problem. But it's subtle. And these people, he says, uh, verse 4, crept in. They creep in, little by little. And how does that happen? Well, um, it happens by a denial of the authority of Scripture that is a denial of the authority of Jesus. Let me uh, ask you to turn, if you have your Bibles open, to Mark chapter 7. This is going to be my one cross-reference this morning. This is how it happens, um, subtly. And Jesus is speaking against the Pharisees because this is a religious issue. 
he's talking about church things, religious things. And as Jesus speaks against the Pharisees, he says, uh, chapter 7, verse 8, you leave the commandment of God, that is the Bible, the Word, the Scriptures, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men, and that's always the pattern. Rather than the Scriptures, it's uh, our human ideology, our human opinions. And uh, then verse 13, he emphasized this by saying, thus you make void, you empty the, the word of God of its power, you make void the word of God by your tradition, your human teaching. It's always the way. They deny the authority of Jesus. How? By denying the authority of the Bible. And it's subtle, isn't it? Uh, there are even today so-called and you can come back with me now to the book to Jude. Uh, there are even now so-called evangelical churches. You go to uh, such a church, and the Bible's never opened, and no one teaches from the Bible. And functionally, therefore, the authority of Jesus is being denied by uh, removing the Bible. That's always the way it begins. Why? Because we like our human ideas, our human teaching, not God's teaching. But there's a part of it that uh, goes hand in hand with it. It's not just an intellectual issue. Um, it's a moral issue, or what he calls sensuality. So verse 4 in Jude, he says, they, these people pervert the grace of our God into sensuality. That is um, sexual immorality or other kinds of sensual experience. And uh, that is also what these angels did uh, that he talks about in verse 6. There he's almost certainly referring to a rather unusual passage in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, where these angels uh, uh, seem to have sexual relations with humans. Now, whatever that means exactly, and I suspect none of us know exactly what that means, the pattern is that along with the rejection of the Word of God, there's a sensuality, even in religious circles. It's a common thing in pagan religions for there to be a sensuality. And even, I'm afraid, in so-called Christian religious circles, there's a sensuality, a sexual immorality that goes with it. And that's what Jude is talking about. And then he says, similarly, in uh, verse 7, just as Sodom and Gomorrah likewise indulged in sexual immorality, and pursued unnatural desire. That phrase there, unnatural uh, desire, is literally strange flesh. So this isn't just heterosexual sexual immorality. It's also strange flesh. Every possible kind of sexual exploration. Homosexual sexual immorality. Every possible kind. All the different kinds of that for which we are all too familiar today. And those two go together, you see, the sensuality and the denial of Jesus. Here's the equation. You deny Jesus by denying his word, and, you, and along with it, hand in hand, is a desire for sensuality. And this is so common. I mean, I, have, I could give you so many illustrations of this pastorally. The number of individuals, friends, I have sat down with, and uh, they've been 
leaning towards or given in to some kind of sensuality. And I sit down with them personally and we're chatting and I open the Bible and I say, look, my friend, this is what Jesus says. This is what the Bible says. And so often uh, an individual will look at me and say, yes, but that's not what I want. There it is. Denial of Jesus' lordship through a denial of the authority of Scripture. Why? Because I don't want to live that way. I want sensuality. And that's always uh, how, I say, say, Jude is identifying this pattern of sound teaching, uh, of false teaching. And this is always the way it develops. The snowball begins this way with a, the equation, deny Jesus' authority by denying the authority of the Bible and the hand in hand with that, the sensuality. But then the snowball continues. It cascades uh, 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 downhill. And what it leads to is confusion, Massive confusion, and this is what Jude talks about in verse 10. These people blaspheme or they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. In other words, there's just massive confusion. And this is where I think we are in the Western church today, in the church in America. Massive confusion. And there are so many illustrations of this, it's hard to know where to begin or where to end. I suppose um, the most extraordinary recently was that Methodist minister, who's also a politician, who stood up in Congress and prayed and concluded his prayer with, Are men or are women? Now, that's just massive confusion. The word amen is a Hebrew word, and it means uh, faithful, agreed, for sure, yes. It occurs uh, at the end of uh, each of the sections of the book of Psalms, amen, amen. Yes, yes, I agree, agreed. That's what amen means. It has absolutely nothing to do with gender, Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. It's so confused. But why? Well, if you listen to that prayer, and I made myself go back and listen to it to find out what was happening. If you listen to that prayer, earlier on, uh, this Methodist minister who's a politician, a leader in the country, so confused. This Methodist minister, the reason why he gets to this point of confusion is because he prays in the name of, he says, and he lists all the different gods that he can think of that comes to his mind. In other words, he denies the only master and Lord Jesus Christ by a denial of Scripture. And what does that lead to? Massive confusion. But it's not just on the left. On the right, there are all these conspiracy theories. And they are quite extraordinary. They are ridiculous, idiotic. They'd be laughable if they weren't so serious. There are people who believe these things, uh, some among those massive crowds that stormed the capital. They are believing 
ridiculous things. And, and, and people say, well, it's because of technology. It's because of social media. It's because of... No, it's not. No, it's not. It's because of a denial of the only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Through a denial of Scripture, all these churches where the Bible's never opened leads to huge confusion. Of course, uh, the only answer... Uh, it's to, uh, we had prayer meetings this week, every uh, Monday to Friday, 5 o'clock, every day. We had over 100 people on Zoom calls praying, returning to God, that He will return to us. It's the only answer. And return to God. That's not code for return to some political solution. It's return to God. Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and and to God what is God's. He did not say, get a Christian Caesar or else Christianity is finished. He was many times tempted to take the political solution. He rejected it. My kingdom is not of this world. We must come back to God. But if we don't, then the snowball will keep cascading as it was in Jude's day and as I think it is in ours. What happens, of course, is this sort of religion, this sort of false teaching, then is absolutely useless. And this is what Jude talks about in verse 12. Uh, these people are, he says, shepherds feeding themselves. That is, there's no food for us. They are waterless clouds, no rain, no rain of the Spirit, no food of the Word of God. And they are fruitless trees, twice dead. That is, their roots are dead and their fruit is dead. So there's no food. No rain, no fruit. Useless. Of course, that's, that's a description of the church in the last 50, 100 years. All these churches that deny the authority of Jesus as our only Lord and Master by denying the authority of Jesus' word, uh, modernistic churches, whatever term you want to call them, modernistic, postmodernistic liberal in their theology, whatever term you want to call it, denial of Jesus' lordship through a denial of God's word. And people say, why are these churches empty? That's why. No food, no rain, no fruit. Useless. And of course the same will happen to so-called evangelical churches if they insist on worshipping the political idols. You, you, you watch these huge political conventions and they're like a religious experience for some people there, clearly. But that's not the place of worship. That's not our hope. They are not our saviors. We have only one master and lord. His name is Jesus Christ. We must return to God. Otherwise, it'll be useless. We've already seen it. 
No power, no fruit, no food, no rain, unless we come back to God. And uh, the snowball will continue. Cascade. These are somber words, but important words. As Jude identifies the pattern of false teaching, uh, what happens next, he says, is that words themselves become debased. The, the verbal currency is devalued. This is uh, verses 15 and 16. Uh, the, uh, all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him, that's the, the speaking, the words, they're grumblers, these are words, malcontents, uh, loud-mouthed boasters. Uh, the, the, the words become devalued. Uh, you, that phrase, loud-mouthed boasters, you could almost put it as the advertising slogan for lots of social media platforms. Loud-mouthed boasters. And words themselves begin to lose their meaning. It's like 1984, George Orwellian. The verbal currency is just devalued. You say, well, why Why would anyone do this? Why would any individual, any group of people consciously uh, teach in this sort of way? Why would anyone do this? Well, Jude gives an answer to that, and it is very clear if devastating and the answer is gain end of verse 16 why to gain advantage or he says in verse 11 it is for the sake of gain Um, in other words power money fame Gain. That's why. Here's this. Here's this pattern of false teaching. What do we do about it? Well, we just have perhaps a moment. I can give you a hint of hope. What we're going to look at next week. Uh, Obviously, we'll dive into it much more next week. But here's a hint of hope. What do we do? While we watch out for those who cause divisions, uh, instead we uh, emphasize love, you beloved. Uh, verse 20, keep yourselves in the love of God. Verse 21, faith, build, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Uh, mercy, the mercy of Jesus and a ministry of rescuing other people uh, with mercy. So love, faith, mercy, and um, perseverance, trusting that God is able to keep us from stumbling. Important words at the beginning of this year. And let's return to God. Our Lord God, we do bow before you. Our Master and Lord, Forgive us for having other masters. Help us, Lord, to have your word as our authority. We pray, Lord, that you would 
help us to keep the pattern of sound doctrine and uh, not let any uh, false teaching uh, creep in. And we pray, Lord, that because we stick with you and your word, there will be much food from your word. There'll be a um, new outpouring of the rain of your spirit in revival, we pray. And there'll be much fruit. So help us, Lord. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.